All right, so I'm here, which means I did not win the Powerball. And you probably didn't either because uh, California, again, it always feels like it's California or New York who's winning the, the, the Powerball. This time it's a billion dollars. I guess that would stand a reason because they're the most populous uh, states in, uh, in, in the country. But still, man, could, uh, you know, could Michigan get one of, uh, one of those? And if Michigan gets one of those, can I get one of those? Anyway, so back to work for the rest of us. Uh, driving home today, uh, be careful. We're supposed to be getting some storms, some possibly severe weather between 3 and 7 right there in the heart of the afternoon rush. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if weather is getting worse or if weather reporting is just getting more dramatic because I feel like anytime storms are in the forecast now, uh, you know, it's it, it, there's always a possibility of flooding in tornadoes, which, which I'm sure it's always been that way. But like there's more emphasis on it where uh, I used to enjoy uh, a, a nice thunderstorm and would look forward to it if it's in the forecast. Now I'm like watching my basement every five minutes to make sure that that it doesn't flood. So uh, careful driving later on today. Um, that time uh, window can always shift. But as of right now, last I saw with Ashley Barrissey on uh, WDIV Local 4, 3 to 7 is when it's going to be moving in. Um, so yesterday, House Republicans dug into allegations that the Biden family members uh, are being paid by foreign entities for their influence during a hearing. More from Fox News' Grinnell Scott. The House Oversight Committee heard from IRS whistleblowers who say any look into alleged foreign money to the Bidens was slowed. Chairman James Comer of Kentucky. The White House and Democrats would have Americans believe that our investigation is based on five years of conspiracy theories. But we have facts. Ranking Democrat Jamie Raskin of Maryland said while Hunter Biden has pleaded guilty to charges, none of them touched the president. Like every other try by our colleagues to concoct a scandal about President Biden, this one is a complete and total bust. Chairs for the House Ways and Means and Judiciary Committees were also part of this hearing. Grinnell Scott, Fox News. Thanks, Grinnell. Uh, Governor Whitmer signed legislation Tuesday that will allow for beer and alcohol sales at, at college sporting events. Uh, this new law it allows universities to seek permits to sell booze at sporting events for up to 100 days each year. So uh, I think they get to pick which sporting events get the alcohol sales as long as they part. Parker Moser, my board up, is uh, giving me the, the thumbs up. I don't think you're old enough to drink yet, Parker. I still think it's cool. Okay. All right. Well, you know, you will be you will be soon, young man. Um, so they get to pick which sports get the alcohol sales. Obviously, uh, at the Big Ten schools, it's going to be uh, football, basketball, maybe hockey. It also allows schools to sell alcohol five additional days out of the year for special events. Now, before this bill was signed into law, Michigan and Michigan State were two of the last three Big Ten schools that still banned selling alcohol at sporting events, Nebraska being the other one and Nebraska being the only one left. Uh, now, Governor, Governor Whitmer says that the, the law is aimed at uh, to curb binge drinking at games by cutting down on excessive alcohol consumption at tailgates. We'll, we'll see. I'm not sure if it's going to have that desired effect. Uh, Rocket Companies is offering buyouts to a number of employees, including all staff members at Rocket Central, uh, which provides HR services to to all the companies in the conglomerate, along with a select portion of employees in their mortgage division. 
Uh, Rocket staff members, they have until July 26th to decide whether they want to take the buyout or not. And if so, their last day will be August 11th. Uh, some of the buyout incentives are, are 12 to 24 weeks severance, depending on how long they've been with the company. Um, they get get paid if they have any banked time off. Outplacement services, including career coaching, resume building help, job search assistance. Uh, so they're going to try to take care of these uh, people taking the buyout as, as much as they can. And, and I mean, this is somewhat uh, unnerving because, you know, once upon a time for a while, Rocket was doing so well that that if all else failed or or if you lost your job or you couldn't find work, they, they were always hiring. But um, the mortgage industry, much like the housing market, is cyclical. So hopefully they'll be on the come up again soon. Um, so the man who fell uh, 140 feet from the Ambassador Bridge into the Detroit River, uh, who was rescued within two minutes, he has been identified as 27-year-old Spencer Baker. Baker. He's a Canadian iron worker, and uh, he spoke to uh, WDIV Local 4 yesterday, and here's him describing uh, how he fell off the scaffolding into the river. We're doing a certain task, which... It's a pretty s- simple task, but um, something, a fluke happened, and I essentially I was pulled over the guardrail from the road, over the guardrail into the water. Now, he says he's been trying to um, uh, reach out to Captain Sam Buchanan, the, the, the guy who was manning the boat for the J.W. Westcott Company, and uh, he hasn't gotten through. Um, and by the way, there's a great interview that Sean Belegian did when he was uh, filling in on Focus with Paul W. Smith earlier this week with Captain Sam Buchanan just talking about the whole ordeal. And we'll be play- we'll be hearing more from Baker um, on JR Morning with Guy Gordon, Marie Osborne filling in. Uh, so the Associated Press has released an image of American soldier Travis King in street clothes with a group of civilians on a tour of the Korean demilitarized zone just minutes before he sprinted across the border. Uh, Sarah Leslie uh, actually took the picture, and she was part of that group. And when she saw King spring over uh, the North Korean border, she thought it was a stunt. Now, the, the, the tour group, they left Seoul in a bus in the early morning en route to uh, Panmunjom, a, a village that's on the border of North and South Korea. And the odd thing is, uh, you know, at this point, Travis King was AWOL. And this was a specialized tool where where participants had to actually um, submit their passport and get special permits in advance. Because uh, what's included on this tour is a building that actually allows tourists to step on North Korean soil inside a building that is jointly held by both countries. Uh, And so as the tour was nearing its end, the group was walking out of the building when, uh, according to Leslie and and other witnesses, Travis King just out of nowhere booked it across the border, and uh, and uh, you know multiple news organizations talked to Sarah Leslie, and she said that uh, I assumed initially he he had a mate filming him in uh, for some kind of really stupid prank stunt or TikTok, uh, the most stupid thing you can do. But then she heard one of the uh, soldiers shout, "Get that guy." Then he just didn't stop, and then the soldiers reacted and chased after him. But he was he was he was really flying. And uh, so, by the time uh, anybody knew what was happening, Travis King had dis- uh, uh, appeared from view, and the tour group was rushed back into the building, into an information room where they were briefed on what happened. And uh, let's see here; we got a minute left. Let's do a shorty. 
Um, so uh, John Bolia, hero of the day, he, he's a driving instructor, and he was teaching driver's ed uh, when he and a student made a stop at Lamphere High School in Madison Heights. And uh, Mr. Bolia, and I, I, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. I, if not, I apologize. Um, he said that he heard a noise coming from behind a wall. And that at first he thought it was two cats fighting. So he he started trying to make a noise to scare cats away. And then eventually it dawned on him that it was not cats. It was two babies. And so he walked over and uh, he, he was shocked to find that that's where the two infants wa- were. Um, one was uh, in a car seat covered in a blanket. And the other one looked to be around one years old. So I, I, I don't know if that, that child was was in a car seat as well, or it was just kind of out. But uh, so obviously Mr. Balea, he, he called the police and they, they came and they, um, you know, brought the children to safety. But he said that the younger baby who was crying actually saved the older one's life because if he didn't hear them, um, he wouldn't have gone over to, to see what was going on. So uh, absolutely heartbreaking story when you think of uh, two children just kind of left to their own devices uh, behind a wall outside of a, a high school. They did have a note attached to them, but there's there's no word on, on what the note said. It's even more enraging because Michigan is a safe haven state where um, there are designated drop-off locations like hospitals and police departments that uh, people can safely drop their, ch- their children off within 72 hours, and they'll be... Um, you know, safely placed into, um, you know, the, the proper places. So, um, but good on you, John Belia. And he, he was very understanding. He said that whoever did this had to have been in a, in a bad place. So he felt bad for both the children and um, the person who, who felt the need to drop them off um, behind a wall with a note. First thing with Mike Parsons and WJR. Democrat Congresswoman Debbie Dingell and Republican Congressman Tim Wahlberg are concerned about China playing fair when it comes to testing and development of electronic vehicles. So much so that the two of them drafted a bipartisan letter to address some of their concerns. And Congresswoman Dingell on All Talk with Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz discusses. So China does not allow American car companies to test their autonomous vehicles in China. They don't do it. You can't do it there. But for some reason... Uh, the United States allows China to test their autonomous vehicles here. They don't let us, but we let them. And that's pretty concerning, Kevin, to now even a bipartisan group of uh, congressional lawmakers, even from the state of Michigan, who are both Republican and Democrat, pushing back against this whole idea and asking Joe Biden to do something about it. Bipartisan, you say, Tom? Yeah, this, is, this is like a Michigan State Spartan watching the game with a Michigan Wolverine. It's like the, it's like the Hatfields inviting the McCoys over for dinner. Uh, this is this is uh, this is refreshing display of bipartisan cooperation. U.S. Representative Tim Wahlberg, a Republican from Tipton, and Debbie Dingell, a Democrat from Ann Arbor, joining forces. Uh, what's the con- common enemy? Well, you you mentioned it: Chinese companies operating and testing these these cars in the United States because we think these cars are used as espionage tools. Uh, both sides of the aisle seem to understand the need to address this threat uh, that's right here on American soil. And joining us now is Debbie Dingle, Congresswoman from the 6th District. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. It's great to talk to you. And it isn't that rare. When I, know, work I know, the, I know, I you know. You, to, you reach across the aisle all the time. I do, and I work with my Republican colleagues all the time. I, I I mean, when know. It, honestly, let me say this. When it comes to the auto industry, our delegation is 
pretty much most of us work together on everything because we care about our state. It just seems the things that make the media are the things that everybody's so divided on. Uh, I know I know you guys work together. Tell us why why everyone's working together on, on this. Tell us why you think this is a real threat that people need to know about. Well, I, I think some of actually most of us did not understand some of the things that were happening. You know, we've been working really hard in Washington to get uh, autonomous vehicle legislation passed. Uh, and actually, GM's one plant in Hamtramck is building autonomous vehicles, but there's a cap on the number of vehicles that any manufacturer can put on the road right now while they are testing it and frameworks being put in place. But in a recent briefing, we found out that there were more than seven Chinese manufacturers that had vehicles on the street in California gathering data, testing. And our U.S. manufacturers are not allowed to bring any vehicles into China to test them at all. And that's an economic security issue, a competitive issue, and a national security issue. So after that briefing, I looked at Tim as we walked out. It's our committee. I said, Tim, we need to do something. And a couple of our other colleagues, I'm working with Bob Lada from Ohio on AB legislation he wanted in, Mark Vesey, who's got a truck plant in Texas that gives you geographical diversity. And quite frankly, the Select Committee on China cares about this. We're working on legislation that we will be introducing, working with everybody, getting all of the input, and hopefully including that as part of the AB legislation that the Energy and Commerce Committee will do. When you talk about national security, can you give us some some details of what you're concerned about? Yeah, because the, the, the technology that these ABs are using that China has on our streets has cameras, has AI, advanced sensors, semiconductors that are all being used to collect data on the American people and our infrastructure. And just like the balloons in the sky, we don't know where all they're going or what kind of data that uh, they are collecting. And I just don't think this country can turn a blind eye to the risks of allowing Chinese AVs unencumbered access to our networks and our roadways. Why are we turning a blind eye? I mean, why wouldn't this be an automatic no-brainer? I mean, China already dominates the worldwide electric vehicle supply chain, but they also steal more data from Americans than all the other countries combined, and this would just be another way to do it. You are exactly right about that. We're talking about it. We want to do something. You know, with the discussions about TikTok, the Select Committee on China is looking at all of these issues. But it's almost impossible sometimes on some of these kinds of bills to get something passed. We could pass something in the House, but the Senate requires 60 votes on anything. And yet I I do think we really have to – you were so right about the data that they're stealing, the data that they're collecting on all of us. I do wish we could get young people to understand the kind of data that's being collected and tracked on them and kept forever. I wish we could get everybody to understand that, you know, the Internet, all of these social media sites, somebody's taking all that data that you're just putting out there, and they're always going to have it. So this is just another tool to do that. It sounds like there's just like, uh, I don't know, autonomous vehicle rolling spy vehicles running through our country right now. Do do we even know how many? not a bad word. (laughs) Do we even know how many of these these Chinese companies operate these autonomous vehicles here in the United States? 
there are more than seven of them right now, but here's the thing that I'm going to say to you. If anybody who's done business in China understands, I mean, our auto companies, when they went over there, had to have a China partner, and that China partner had to own at least 51% of the business. The Communist Party is part of everything in any business that is done in China. So it's the Communist Party, the government of China is probably, I mean, I don't want to say anything that's irresponsible and not, so I got to be careful as I say this. But there's no way, I will say this, the Chinese government doesn't know what's happening with all of those seven companies. And in this country, you know, we're saying companies should, should be able to test it, but there's a cap. But I think that Chinese cap is a, on these seven companies is a false cap because in the end, I'm guessing there's one entity that's kind of coordinating all mm. of it. So what happens to the letter you wrote to the Biden team? Does it hit the circular basket or do they take any no, real action? It will not. We're going to have a hearing on AVs next week in the Energy and Commerce Committee, which Tim, all four members of us who wrote the letter are members of. We will be asking for questions, sending uh, more and asking for more data. But what really matters is that we are going to, we are in the process of drafting AB legislation that includes all of the stakeholders. And the bill that passes the House will have something in here to address this. What about, you know, you said the, that the Chinese Communist Party, they really control every business in China. Any any Chinese-owned company, they, they're kind of, you know, subject subject to the CCP. Why are we so in bed with them and so many of our business partnerships here in the state of Michigan? I mean, should we be paying closer attention to those partnerships? You know, you got Goshen here. You've got Cattle, C-A-T-L, partnering with Ford. Is, is that concerning to you as well? So I think, look, I think we have to be intentional about everything that we do. You know, when you talk to Ford, they're very clear about how they are I mean, one of the problems right now is is that China's got the intellectual property for the battery that they're going to use. We've got to learn and keep at the forefront of innovation and technology so we're not dependent on it. But they're building it here. It's going to be American jobs. And hopefully that partnership, you know, we're going to get our own technology that we need that's U.S. developed, U.S., et cetera. But we have to be intentional about it. When the auto companies from Michigan when in established plants in China, we're operating in a global marketplace. So we don't want to give it to Europe or to other countries. We want and remember that when they went over there, nobody owned cars. It was the biggest growth market in the world. So this is hard stuff. Yeah, it is. We, we're, we're competing in a global marketplace, but we have to be intentional. We need to and understand very, that. Yep, yeah, and very careful, as, as you stated. Very Congresswoman careful. Debbie Dingell, we appreciate you coming on and talking to us about it. Thanks so much, Congressman. Appreciate it. Senate Judiciary Committee is scheduled to debate and vote on a bill uh, that would implement a set of ethic codes for the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, of course, you remember uh, uh, Justice Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, raising some questions on on some gifts that they got from wealthy donors. Uh, but technically, they didn't violate anything because there's no ethics codes. Um, this is a good start, but I, I don't know. I, I also think we should look at these lifetime appointments. I, I mean, the Supreme Court was founded in 1789, back when life expectancy was 57. Um, so, so I think it's kind of an outdated notion. And a lot of these people don't even reach the bench till the fifty till their fifties. On the same day that Attorney General Dana Nessel announced charges against sixteen people for trying to submit false electors to overturn the twenty twenty presidential election results here in Michigan, 
Governor Whitmer signs a law that expands early voting legislation, uh, early voting access. I'm sorry. Uh, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson discusses both um, stories on JR Afternoon with Chris Renwick. So back in November, voters overwhelmingly passed Proposition 2, which would allow at the forefront nine days of early voting before each election. It also enshrined in the Michigan Constitution a fundamental right to vote and would prohibit laws, regulations, practices, whatever it is, from interfering with that right to vote. It also called for a state-funded ballot tracking notification system, a drop box to be placed in each and every Michigan municipality, and would allow voters to cast a ballot by either showing an ID or signing an affidavit to verify their identity. It passed 60 to 40%. Now Governor Gretchen Whitmer assigned a package of laws that will enshrine these into the Michigan Constitution and then lay the groundwork for what elections look like going forward here in the state of Michigan. So under the law, as I understand it now, clerks can begin providing early in-person voting within 29 days of an election. They can also work together to provide joint sites where ballots can be filled out and fed into tabulators before Election Day. And every city or township in the state of Michigan must also install a drop box. Uh, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson joins us uh, this afternoon to break it all down. Madam Secretary, good to have you with us. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, so l- let's start with with these laws that were that the governor had signed, because some of these go above what Prop 2 was was initially proposing. So what is this uh, a package of bills accomplish aside from essentially fulfilling the requirements of pres- uh, Prop 2? Well, in many ways, the collection of bills, which, again, is, is the result of a months-long, thoughtful, bipartisan process with clerks and other stakeholders, uh, the outcome of which developed the, this legislation, at, at the heart of which is providing clarity for clerks on how to implement the new constitutional requirements. So, for example, the Constitution says you, you have to have at least nine days of early voting and, and doesn't provide any clarity on if there's any, you know, uh, ceiling to that. And so the laws say you have to do it at least nine. You can go up to, you know, 27. And so there's um, so there's that parameter set in place to give clarity for election officials, uh, funding as well as uh, clarity on uh, drop boxes, the ballot tracking system, and also uh, provisions for the counting of absentee ballots prior to election day in certain circumstances to make it easier to align with the early voting process. All of that is really what the legislation is about. And then uh, it's accompanied with in the new budget funding for uh, hiring people and other types of things, installing drop boxes, uh, implementing the prepaid postage for every resident, all the things that are needed to ensure that the will of the voters that was made clear last November becomes real in time for the 2024 presidential election cycle. So I'm sure you realize there are probably people out there that believe this will make voting less safe. D- does this does this secure voting in Michigan? Does it make it is it just about making it more accessible? Is it is it more timely as a rate as it kind of relates to, to tabulating these votes? How, how do you how do you see this in terms of the, the safety mm-hmm. and security of, of our elections? Well, I believe in making it easier to vote and harder to cheat. And that means everything you do to make it easier to vote or expand options to the process, as these changes do, you have to couple that with additional security provisions. So, for example, 
part of the constitutional requirement is now an increased number of drop boxes, ballot receptacles where people can securely return their ballot request forms or the ballots themselves to be counted. Uh, this, the, the legislation requires certain monitoring for those ballot drop boxes to ensure their security. Uh, and that helps us provide guidance for clerks that will ensure while this accessibility of a ballot receptacle is in place for every 15,000 voters in the state, it will also be a secure monitored uh, receptacle so that we can protect against the potential for fraud. So a lot of what we're trying to do with this legislation is ensure those security provisions in place and again, ensure they're in place equally throughout the state so that every clerk in our 1,500 communities knows what they need to do to meet the security requirements of these new changes. You mentioned the ballot tracking system. Tell me a little more about that. When, when does it go in online? How exactly does it work? It, it, the, the essence of it is that if you choose to vote from home and uh, mail in your ballot or return it to your clerk or return it through a drop box, this ballot tracking system enables you to track when your ballot is received and when it's been counted. And it also includes if you request your ballot to be mailed to you and send in that request, you can also track that request just like you would a UPS package. Go into the website, enter your information, and it'll tell you if your ballot request form has been received, if your ballot's been sent, or if it's been received upon return, uh, you returning it. So it's all enabled, all, all designed to give voters information and hopefully confidence as well as clarity as to whether their ballots, if they do choose to vote from home, uh, and mail in their ballot or return it remotely, that their ballot's been received and counted. How, I got to imagine with your experience, um, you were probably a, a pretty important sounding board for this legislation. How closely were you involved? Our team was at the table throughout the discussions, as were Republican and Democratic clerks from across the state at the county and local level, and many other experts like the former chief of elections for the state of Michigan, Chris Thomas, who mm -hmm. served under three previous maybe four previous secretaries. And, and he state. speaks very effusively of this legislation. He, he, exactly. He's very much on board. Mm -hmm. It's an expert-driven process, a data-driven process, and a bipartisan process that yielded these, these changes. Um, so when, does, when do all of this, uh, does this go into effect? Are we going to see these changes implemented uh, by 2024, by the end of 2024? Yes, yeah, certainly everything will be in effect by August of next year. And early voting goes into effect early in the presidential primary in February. But by August and certainly November, uh, all of these uh, legislative provisions will be in effect. And so our job between now and then as election administrators and all of us in Michigan is to make sure we're fully aware of the changes, that we're educating voters everywhere about their options to vote and the security of those options so that everyone can go into next year's elections fully confident that whoever they vote for, whoever they support, their vote will be counted and their voice will be heard. You know, speaking of elections, uh, Attorney General Dana Nessel has charged 16 GOP Trump electors in Michigan from 2020 um, with eight felony counts. Uh, obviously, you have an extensive uh, law background. Um, you know, Michonne uh, Maddock, a, a former co-chair of the MIGOP, is, is involved in this as well. Um, is is this is is obviously very serious uh, allegations and charges. Were there actual laws uh, broken here as you see it? Yes, uh, we know from public documents that there was an actionable plan to use fake elector votes to physically disrupt the electoral process and subvert the will of the people. And there are laws against that. There are very clear laws and Michigan law is very clear. For example, electoral votes must be cast and counted in the Senate chamber. Uh, these particular 
documents were signed in the basement of the Republican Party headquarters. Uh, federal law also includes specific provisions for how electors are chosen, and none of the alleged fake electors follow the process laid out in the law, uh, which is informed also by the vote of the people of Michigan, in, in this case in 2020. So I, you know, I feel confident that um, part of the reason why this investigation took several years was to ensure the evidence aligned with with uh, alleged legal violations, and uh, hence the the indictments moved forward. And I think also it's important to note that a lot of Michigan Republicans stood up to enormous pressure uh, to uh, follow a, a, a darker path, and instead stood up for democracy. And uh, even if their preferred candidate lost. And so for us, it's important for me, it's important to ensure there are consequences when people do choose to try to intervene with the will of the people and, 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 and commit fraud in elections, which a lot of this is really about. And also the fact that this scheme was ultimately unsuccessful doesn't mean that uh, it, it might not be attempted again in the future, which is another reason why consequences this time around are so important. I got about 30 seconds left here. What, what do you say to the people that, that say that this is this is purely political? You've got a, 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 a Democratic AG charging Republicans with this. What do you, what do you say to those people? I think I, asked, I, I I hear what they're saying, and I understand in this moment the challenges of that. Uh, however, the important thing to note is the, the most political thing the AG could have done in the face of all of the evidence that the law had been broken is to not move forward with charges out of fear of these same accusations. So instead, she did the right thing and following the law, following the evidence, following the facts, and now a court will handle it from here. Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson talking about the uh, 16 16- uh, suspects who have been charged with submitting fake electors in uh, favor of of President Donald, former President Donald Trump, even though he lost the election here in the state of Michigan back in 2020, as well as new legislation expanding early voting access. So we'll be back to wrap it up and get you ready for JR Morning. It's first thing with Mike Parsons on WJR. All right. So next year, Lloyd's here, Marie's here, which tells me one thing. They didn't win the Powerball either. Uh, Guy's not here, so we can't rule him out yet. Uh, Well, the person was in California, so unless uh, Guy is in California. Yeah, he might be. Listen, and and I I said yesterday, I said when someone wins the big jackpot, they're either in California, Texas, Florida, New York. Right. That's funny, Lloyd. That's exactly what I said at the beginning (laughs) of the show. I must have uh, subconsciously ripped you off. (laughs) And then I said, well, okay, those are the most populous states in the nation. But, you know, can can Michigan get a win? Can we get something? I mean, can I get a win? I mean, not even, you know, we didn't even get a million dollars. Well, you know, know, we had those. Remember that group that won at the Kroger uh, store? That wasn't too long ago, and that was a nice group of people. So. you had a jackpot winner in California won the jackpot. Okay, but you had the one bill. S- you had seven people in California who got a million dollars. All right, and this is rigged for California. <laughs> All four right. in Florida, four in Texas. So these are people who had five of the balls and not the Powerball. So they almost got the jackpot. Yeah, but yeah, they're they're all in these uh, in New York, two in New York. You know what? The these, uh, the flyover states are getting screwed by by the lotto. <laughs> oh, I, I played. I, I had one ticket. My father, my father in law, bought us a ticket. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, here is the thing: I, I don't, I don't play the lotto or scratch off a whole lot, but I like yeah. getting them as gifts because you know you get 
you're 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 buying hope for like 30 seconds you, you are your yeah. endorphins get all crazy and you know and normally if you do enough scratch offs i'm not endorsing normally if you 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 get enough scratch offs you'll you'll break even right you'll buy five and then you'll oh, get yeah. like a five dollar there you go prize or for whatnot the, yeah so. for, for the most part yeah definitely but yeah you know so we you still have a chance we got mega millions on friday at 700 and something million dollars. only 700 and something million it's not a billion yeah i mean well, going back to Marie's story, I mean, could you imagine if uh, you were you worked at that Kroger where they won it a few <laughs> years ago, and, and you're like, I'm not going to play this week, guys. I'm a little short on cash. <laughs> um, so there's this video that's gone viral on, on TikTok, and I think it's staged, but it but it brings up it it, it brings up an interesting question. Uh, a group of friends are out for uh, dinner for someone's birthday. They get the bill. It's $4,600, which, I mean, there's 10 people in this video. What the heck did they order? Wow. A lot uh, of booze, probably. Yeah, a lot of uh, what? Grey Goose? I don't know what. Cristal? I don't know what. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Don't pair y'all. And so an an argument erupts over how they're going to split up the check. Half the table saying everyone should pay for their own. The other half is screaming that they should split it evenly. The birthday girl is sitting there saying she doesn't have to be, pay because her ber- it's her birthday. Uh, I agree with that. The birthday girl shouldn't have to pay. But uh, this was so weird to me because I, I've never even thought of this as a debate. If I'm going out to dinner with a group of people, I don't know how you guys do it. But for me, it, it, unless someone's saying, hey, I've got the bill, it's everyone pays for their own, isn't it? Well, that's what I thought because even if you split it, uh, if you didn't order as right. much as the other person, you're paying kind of into that. Yeah, but as isn't well. that just kind of goodwill that when you're out with your friends, you're just kind of like, okay, you know. Um, so maybe I eat a little less, but I drink a little more. You're going to drink a little more. Eat a li- you yeah. know, who cares? Well, I just, I just think See, you know. I, I agree. Look, pay, because, pay for my own. Thank you very much. You know what? What if one per? What if you go to like a Texas Roadhouse? Someone orders like a, a strip fillet, and everyone else gets sliders. You know, like <laughs> I just think you, you know, don't nitpick over stuff like I don't know. Well, well, and then don't go out with those people again. That's what I, you know. Then we get in the car, you complain about it. <laughs> don't go out with them anymore. But, just, this, but here's the other thing, though, too, old guy. $4,600 bill. It's like, how many people? I don't know, 10 people. Was, so, like, listen, you know the bill is going to be high. So, it's like, don't start tripping over how much the bill is going right. to be and who going to pay, who's going to pay right. for it. Because you should know. You should know. It's 4600 yes. bucks. You know it's yes. going to be Yes, you all should know. <laughs> exactly. I know exactly what Marie's talking about, complaining when you get, as soon as that door closes, I'm not going out with those people again. <laughs> Did you see what she had on? We are never going out with them again. And can you believe how rude that guy was oh, to the waiter? Oh, know. I'm so embarrassed. But he's like that all the time, you know. I've what? seen that oh, before. This is a conversation that I've heard a lot. <laughs> yeah. As soon as that door closes, you you and your spouse, you just start you just start breaking down. Going in on them. You yeah. know, like your Jim Nance at the Masters. To, you know, what happened at, at the dinner. Yeah, I don't know. Me, me personally, I... I if if we're splitting the bill evenly, Marie, like you said, you know, you, you, you might not order as much as you want because, um, you know, because you don't want to come across as You're rude. Polite. You're polite. You know, everybody should try to be polite, but there's always those people who right. are not. Right. I just really, uh, you know, after that, I would be careful about going out oh, with them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, see, I don't want to be like, 
like limited. So I and, and by the way, if it's your birthday, like I said, you oh, you, no, you, you shouldn't have to pay. Yeah. But you should at least do the empty gesture of like reaching for your yeah. credit card. And you reach for your credit card. You're kind of looking around for someone to say, no, 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 I've got it. Well, you, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you better. Yeah, you, you, better. Sh- you should at, at least. Um, so this random website, Seat Pick, they crunch some numbers and uh, they have Detroit listed as the 11th best uh, music city in the world. Yeah. And uh, you, you obviously, I, I think 11's a little bit low. That's uh, a little low. And th- a lot of people were very offended by this. Well, and, and real quick, here's, here's the uh, uh, cities ahead of us. London, okay. LA, okay. Chicago, New York, uh-huh. Nashville, fine. Seattle, grunge. Austin, okay. Austin, city limits. Denver. Who the heck has come out of Denver? And, and you know, I also, uh, New Orleans is not on there. New right. Orleans New Orleans. Not, I mean, yeah. so clearly, that's that's a bad list. Bootleg. Bad list. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, the, the criteria is music venues, live concert events, record stores, musical acts. Denver's got Red Rocks, but uh, I, I I can't think of a single musical act who's come out of Denver. We we got we should no. at least be in the top ten. We got Motown. Oh, and enduring our music endures. Madonna. People don't remember Madonna. All right, I, I'm ranting. <laughs> I know. I knew I'd run out of time. Jr. Morning next.